Welcome back. Episode four of NHL Fans from Afar. Well, there's a word that's on the tip of our tongue on today's episode, which happens to be goalies. Yeah, we're going to be talking all things goalies. We're going to be finding out that Claire and our guest presenter, Matt, love them. And I seem to want loads of things to go wrong for them until it happens to the Leafs goaltender. And then I want them to be protected to the end of the earth. We're going to be talking loads of stuff with a Dallas fan. We're also going to be catching up on the action in the NHL from last week. If you are listening to this podcast for the first time, welcome along. As Claire said, this is episode four. You can go back and listen to the first three episodes. And if you would, click subscribe and then you'll get this podcast into your podcast app every single Thursday at 8 a.m. We're going to hit you with some amazing stats because I think I may be the stat man, not the scat man, but the stat man. (laughs) This could be my new nickname. I'm going to tell you which is the heaviest team in the NHL and which is the tallest team in the NHL. So enjoy this uh, information overload over the next hour. And the only clue is that neither of them are going to be winning a Stanley Cup this year. Ooh. And well, first of all, welcome back, Claire. Yeah, Jolon. Yeah. We've got some issues here, haven't we? Oh, uh, nice to see you too. <laughs> yeah. I go away on holiday for a week. Yeah. Did you have a nice time? I had a, had a great time, thanks. Yeah. Good. Yoga, learnt the didgeridoo. <laughs> right. Hiked a mountain to see a monastery, also whilst I was listening to you and Stephen. Well, you particularly brag about how amazing Toronto Maple Leafs are doing and Austin Matthews, how brilliant yeah. he is getting on in the season. Yeah. And then what happened? Uh, yeah, yeah, it's not going so well. Um, <laughs> the 5-1 and one start has now turned into, a, what is it, 6-3 and three or something like that. And yeah, it's... We've got one goal happen. in two games yeah. on home ice. Yeah. There was no goals for 120 minutes. So we bragged, yeah. or you bragged, not only about having <laughs> the best goal scorer in the league and the best team start in years, and yeah. you've cursed us well, for no, two games. No, to be fair, in my defence, I was I was trying to keep my excitement at a reasonable level uh, through the first few games, because of particularly because of the, uh, the teams we were playing. None of them had made it to the playoffs. Um, and all that kind of stuff last year. And then we played Washington, and then we beat Washington in Washington, and it was at that point I was like, well, there we go, there we go. We're uh, bringing the Stanley Cup home now. <laughs> we are scoring against whoever we like. We've just done in a really difficult road trip in Washington, come back home. Right, let's uh, <sighs> let's get rid of these misfiring St. Louis Blues and Pittsburgh. I mean, Pittsburgh, phew, Crosby, Malkin. Wow, what a reality check. What a reality We're not check. even in the first month of the season and there's been so, so many different surprises. And I suppose that anybody who's listening to this podcast who isn't a Leafs fan yeah. will be mightily pleased that we won't <laughs> be talking about the Leafs so much this week. When we were talking about what to talk on uh, this week's podcast, I genuinely uh, did write out the agenda and, and then just at the end <laughs> just put, and do you want to talk about the Leafs? We can do if you want, but I'm not really bothered <laughs> at the time of recording this. Anyway, um, but more importantly, we are going to be speaking to uh, Matt. Matt Day is a Dallas Stars fan. He's a, a former colleague of mine and we uh, we shared many a beer over talking uh, about ice hockey. Welcome along, Matt. 
Thank you very much. Thanks really for good me. to have you on here. You're a Dallas Stars fan. Uh, you're a fellow Brummie for Claire. Yep. Uh, so I don't know what it is about Brummies, the amount of Brummies. We've had more Jeez. Brummies than Leafs fans on this podcast. <laughs> Can we just take a stop there? Solihull and Coventry are not Birmingham. Let's oh, just you're be all the very same. Very clear. You're all the same. There's nothing it. wrong with them being a Midlander, though. We've established That's that. That's true. To a Shropshire lad, you're all the same. Um, so, Matt, how did you become a Dallas Stars fan and also a fan of ice hockey? Uh, well, so as a, as a teenager, staying up late, uh, trying to find things to watch, um, Channel 5 used to have the, uh, the ice hockey on, probably I think it was two or three times a week, and I started watching those and then decided I wanted a team to follow um, and I needed some sort of affiliation to a, a team in America which is quite hard to do when you've never been to America before. <laughs> I love that, um, Channel 5 that was, that was in yeah. the day when most people couldn't even access Channel 5, do you remember? That's when it was it. a new channel. Now we've gone it was so circle. exciting <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah so my favourite band at the time were Pantera a metal band from Dallas and uh, I'd seen them wearing jerseys and things uh, playing playing gigs and I thought okay well I'll, I'll pick I'll pick them, and that was probably 1998. Uh, and luckily for me, the very next year, Dallas won the Stanley Cup, and and from then on, I've not looked yeah, at anyone else. You joined at such a good time, didn't you? Because I've actually been geeking out today. I have been <laughs> researching so much about all the different teams. I mean, I'm, I'll go on and I'm going to wax lyrical because Jolon's here, we're in person together, show my geeky hockey pad. But I was looking into the history of Dallas Stars. So interesting because Dallas Stars used to be Minnesota North Stars. They came about the 1967 NHL expansion. They then kind of merged with a couple of other teams and then became the Dallas Stars, which is what, like the 90s, I suppose. You guys have had... Um, you know, a move to a different arena in the early 2000s. And now what's really interesting about this um, change, because you've only ever won one Stanley Cup, I'm right in thinking, the following yep. year you had a, a loss in the final. But since then, I mean, you've made the playoffs, what, twice in the last 10 seasons. It's been rocky last thanks, season. Thanks for rubbing it in. Hey, look, I've, <laughs> I've been there. You know what I mean? We've tasted success and never seen it again as a Leafs fan. Give yeah. us a break. Least 1967, you've... we've not tasted success. I'd have been yeah, but... about minus 56. When Do you know Leafs what? If, if you were 120 years old, you'd be loving it as a Leafs yeah. fan. Let yeah, me just you tell you that. But the, the idea that I find so fascinating about Dallas Stars is that you have a coach in Jim Montgomery who it is his first season as an NHL coach. Um, and it's a bit of a punt, isn't it, really, uh, as a Dallas Stars fan, that last year you pretty much tanked through a series of losses and injuries at the end of the playoffs. And then just to kind of put all those hopes, that pressure, that bowl and that history kind of just on this guy who's pretty much uh, got a clean slate when it comes to the NHL. How are Dallas Stars feeling about that? Well, it's it's quite an interesting transition because uh, a couple of seasons ago we had um, Lindy Ruff, who was kind of all about getting the defence involved with the attack. And then we had um, the return of um, the guy whose name has now gone from my brain. Well, so, um, and then last season we had a coach that um, was all about the forwards being involved in the defence. And so that was kind of quite a juxtaposition. And then Montgomery's come in 
and he's kind of he's he's kind of in between the two. Um, so he's got this thing called the process, and it's it's really easy to understand for both players and fans because it's basically the fundamentals of ice hockey. So if if I was to be a coach, I I don't know the ins and outs of of it all, but these this process is exactly probably what I would say as a fan you need to do to win a hockey game. Um, so he's got he's got five things. I don't know whether you want me to go through them, but. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm actually Claire quite... loves this kind of stuff. Go I, for it. It. I it's really, really do. We're going to play a clip of Jim Montgomery in a second, but yeah, tell us more. So it's um, he, he says you must win 56% of face-offs. Wow. Um, you've got to give up less than three odd man rushes. Yeah. You must win special teams. You must win the net front battle and take zero undisciplined penalties. Now, all, all of that sounds really... Obvious. It's quite yeah, it specific. Great. <laughs> but 56% is very specific, isn't well, it? Well, it was 60% when he was coaching in the college leagues. Okay. So he's, he's downed it for the NHL. But, um, yeah, they're, they're, they're really simple. But if if you think about it, you hammer those home and you do all of those things, then you will win most games. So mm. it, it hasn't started off like that. Um, we're 3-4-0. and oh, um, But there's, there's glimpses of us playing really exciting hockey. Um, I mean, the game against the Leafs, for example, was quite <laughs> quite a game. Yeah, 7-4, uh, wasn't it? Our defensive frailties just showed there. So um, Back in the day. Yeah, I think I think with with time, this process could, could work, but maybe that's just me being optimistic. I find it really interesting, though, with things like this, because Mike Babcock at the Leafs has, you know, he'll, he'll say similar things. He says things like, well, you know, you've got to turn up to play, you've got to be there at the start of the game and all of this kind of stuff and, and be ready to go from the off. The Leafs are terrible at the start of a game. They've all, like, ever since Babcock's been there, they've been awful to start most games. And you hear him in his post-match press conferences and says, well, we weren't there, you know, right from the beginning. It's something we've got got to work on. So it's all well and good having these theories of, oh, well, you know, 56% and all of this kind of stuff. But it's then getting it through to those players who last year were hearing a very different message from Ken Hitchcock, who was head coach of the Dallas Stars. I think... um... The thing we've seen so far in the in the few games we've had is that the first and third periods we haven't really performed, but the second period we've we've out, outshot our opponents in nearly every game. And I think against Anaheim we had uh, I think it was thirty shots to their four in 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 the second period. But if you don't make those opportunities count, then the, the whole forward. thing kind of goes out the window. I agree, actually, in a way, because I think what Jim Montgomery perhaps is focusing on is, is the little things that make the difference, the stuff that doesn't go on the the all-time league stats and get you points and stuff, like the doing the dirty in the corner, winning the face-offs. Often you see some of the players who are fantastic at this, they go as underdogs, really. And so maybe what he's trying to do is he's getting people to think about some of these smaller details, which then kind of ripple and make your overall game better. Maybe, maybe. I mean, just yeah, no, I, pick I on agree. I think his, you, I was just going to say you've seen it in other sports like cycling, where they look at the um, the you know the small like I think call the it marginal the, gains, isn't it? That's the one. Um, mm. And I think it's that kind of thing. You can you could coach a style of playing hockey, and I think he does on top of these this process. But if you get bogged down in that that style, you maybe forget 
the simple things that will potentially win you a hockey game. Mm. And is he? And and he has got. I mean, he has got an incredible set of players. You are, you you know, you should be a playoff team. Looking down at your roster, I mean, that top line of uh, Ben Radulov and Sagan is terrifying. And you've the top power play is terrifying. I remember watching them against the Leafs not long ago and thinking. Every time they get the puck in that line, a bit like Boston with their top line, you just think, ah, oh, they're going to score because they're just so good. And and yet, it's going to take a bit of time for those guys to adapt to a completely new way of playing. Yeah, I think I think we've seen glimpses so far that that, that top line um, is going to be a, a big success this season. To be honest, it's not hard for them to be a success because the rest of the team can't score. <laughs> um, de- depth scoring is the buzzword in, in Dallas at the moment. Any blog you read, anything, it's all depth scoring. I mean, we've got, I think we've only got four players who've got more than three or four points. It's it's really, really bad. So I think they're confident that they've got the depth and that they can get the scoring out of the, the other lines, but... It's a big debate about whether you split up that top line or not. It's really interesting you say that because to bring it back to the Leafs, they've got exactly the same problem. And I was reading an article earlier today that says of the 19 even even strength goals scored by Leafs forwards this season, 17 have come from four players. I mean, that's not sustainable. Mm. And I guess it's the same for you guys in Dallas. Absolutely. I think... um, you know, we we've really struggled. We've got some young prospects. We've got some players like Jason Spezza, who who last season had uh, under thirty points for just the second time in his career, and the first mm-hmm. time was his rookie year. So you can't have people um, like like Spezza on on big contracts or reasonably big contracts, um, not scoring less than fifty points. Um, and and the young the young kids we haven't got a big prospect pool we've got a few players coming through look good but they've they've got to start scoring yeah i mean i know you uh, you didn't do too badly out of uh, the draft last year you had number 1 pick didn't you um sorry round 3 round 1 pick number 3 uh, yep. in the draft last year um one of the things i do just want to play a clip actually for people who don't know dallas um your division and uh, your conference uh, from the other side, so to speak. I just want to play a clip of Jim Montgomery because what I'm impressed by is how mature he sounds uh, for someone who's coming in so new and off the back of a loss. This is him talking on Saturday uh, during the practice before the game. Yeah, well, I, I mean, you got to, again, when you come back to solutions, facing adversity is a good thing. And you want to face you want to face it now. I, I'd much rather have him go through this. And there's going to be other ups and downs, but... Um, you know, we're far off from where we're going to be and we got to work through it. And the disappointing part uh, for me last night was that we stopped playing. We, to me, we were hoping to win a game instead of going to win a game. And, and there's a big difference mentally in how you play when that's the case. I mean, what I'm really impressed about listening to that clip, Matt, is he sounds just so mature, really, and he's very realistic. You know, he's talking there about the fact that it was the attitude of the team, that they've got to have that emotion about caring and getting back up on. And if you're kind of saying as a fan, you recognise that there isn't necessarily that depth in getting all the points, they've still 
regardless of their skill, they've got to have a want and a care. And and this is where I know when I watched um, NHL put out the 31 in 31 um, uh, videos in August, and I think a couple of guys for the video for, for Dallas talked about whether um, Dallas was a playoff team, and they actually kind of had aired on the side of no, they didn't think they were a playoff team, but surely that has to come from the want to be there because you only missed out on the playoffs by three points last year. And, you know, we, we probably should mention Ben Bishop, who's your goalie, uh, your startup goalie who had, um, you know, had a real bad injury, didn't he? Injured by your own player. But do you think that there is a want in your team to get to be back in the playoffs? I think there is, and I think the the thing I've noticed uh, since Montgomery's come in is the the team spirit seems to have really kind of ramped up. They seem to be um, wanting to play as a team. Um, not that they didn't before, but it's much more evident. There's more activity on social media of them all going out together, um, and I think that's only you know that can only be positive. Um, I think the central division uh, is probably the toughest out there um and so missing out on the playoffs by a couple of points is really frustrating but i think yeah because let's look we've who got you've the got. players to do it you've got chicago blackhawks you've got colorado yeah. avalanche minnesota wild nashville predators st louis blues winnipeg jets so yeah a few of those had pretty good that's all central division do you know Western what though that's that's isn't it? that's a you know because you're looking at that historically as a, a really really difficult uh division which it has been although this season there is a potential window of opportunity because we don't know what st louis are they've had a rubbish start to the season and Colorado are always a kind of a, a question mark team. Winnipeg, okay. Winnipeg and Nashville are obviously going to be great. Dallas are going to be in there. I, I think Chicago have been historically again, good, but have had the last and, two seasons. And I mean, they, yeah, they've looked okay to start the season, but we're not quite sure. I mean, Corey Crawford coming back for them as a goaltender is going to be huge. So they might pick up now. So although it is, it is a tough division. There is a possibility that there's a window for opportunity for Dallas to sneak into the playoffs this year. Yeah, and I think I think the key is not to go on long runs of of, of losses. Obviously, that's a really obvious thing to say. But the thing that Dallas have done in the last uh, couple of seasons, especially, we've had a terrible road record. Um, we got off to two two road losses already this season, um, but that's got to change. You know, you, you're obviously looking for the five hundred. And above mark, um, and and the road is where we've we've historically struggled. So, if we can if we can fix that, and and get some road wins against the people in our division, which is something we we haven't done over the last couple of years, yeah. then I, th- I think we're in with a chance. But it's early days, and and I think we'll know much more come sort of de- uh, December time. We've been there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'd love to know what my team's going to be like in December. <laughs> we'd, well, we're going to talk Jeez. about goalies in a second, but I am very curious, Matt, because I know that you and Gerald know each other, but I'm curious to how far you go in extremities of being a fan, because we've mentioned this on our previous episodes about the lengths that Jolon had a battle with his dad who let rip what the yeah. score was. I was getting pieces of paper over the laptop, hiding stuff. Um, what what kind of frustrations have you had as a fan from afar? Well, your uh, your paper over the laptop is is something that I've, <laughs> I've 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 not used paper or post-it notes, but using my hand to try and hide yeah. scores and and things. And my biggest frustration at the moment is uh, when you see the 
the length of the video on Game Center, and yes. you can tell straight away if it's going to overtime or not. Yes. Um, How, and, and why that can just, they not sort that? Why? Well, they have fixed it on the Xbox app, so I watch I watch a lot of games on the Xbox oh, if I'm okay. at home. Just and, don't look. Uh, they fixed hands. it on that. But you can't, like, because I, I'm I'm sure, like, most of us watch it the next day, so then we can skip the adverts, and then as yeah. you're skipping the adverts, you then can roughly work out how long left you've got. So you're like, well, well there's no way I've, this game is going to overtime. You've watched so many games yeah. that you just know straight from the length of the video whether it's an, an easy uh, regulation win or an overtime game or shootout. Um, and that ruins some of the enjoyment, to be yeah. honest, when you're getting up at six o'clock in the morning to watch it. The St. Louis game um, uh, at the weekend, uh, sorry, a couple of days ago, was so frustrating for me because I log in to my uh, NHL Game Center or NHL TV, whatever it's called now, and um, I've got the hide scores on, as we all would, so I'm, I can't see the score. But on the home screen of the game, there's no reference to the score except at the bottom of the screen there is a... A, a picture, a picture which they always put the winning team on. And it's so infuriating. So you can even tell with even now squinting that I try and squint and click on the watch button without seeing the picture, I can still tell because I know if it's a white jersey, it's the away team that's won or the no. colourful jersey, it's the home one. I knew Toronto had lost to St. Louis before I'd even started watching it. It's so yeah, frustrating. I, see, I never noticed these pictures. And now it's I'm going to drive me mad now. But the thing that I did, I don't know why I'm pointing a remote oh, at I you. Know, I don't know. It's very I'll put it down. Um, but, the thing that I notice when you want to watch, I like listening to uh, the commentary, Canadian commentary. I prefer yeah. TSN and prefer Sportsnet. I don't want the American nonsense. Yeah. Sorry agreed. if you're American. As a part Canadian, or an I American commend fan. your statement. Yeah. I want to hear the point from the Leafs. And in order to do that, sometimes when you hit watch, mm. it automatically goes to the home team, which may be American. So then to get the alternative commentary, you have to go to video, yeah. which then pulls up all the different types of archive, which then, even <laughs> if you've got high scores, shows you no! the score on the top. How annoying. And when you're doing it on your phone, <laughs> there's that you can't actually cover up much more of the screen. No, so it's um, ridiculous. I was watching the uh, the Pittsburgh game. I've had a, a mare with the last two, actually, with, with St. Louis have known the score and then the Pittsburgh game before that. And I'm not quite sure what happened, but somewhere, somehow, in a, whether it was a glitch or whether I just clicked wrong, I missed the whole second period. <laughs> right? So I'm watching, <laughs> I'm watching the first That's period. That's not necessarily a bad right, thing. It wasn't a bad thing. Well, that was the thing. I didn't even notice. The game was so dull and so little happened. So the Leafs were already one down. And then they go into the first intermission. I skip through the intermission and I must have skipped over the intermission and over the second period. And so then I resume right at the start of the third period. It's only when Toronto pull their goaltender and I'm thinking, oh, it's the second oh period. Oh my days, this is, this is unreal. As if they just pulled their goaltender in the second. This is, Babcock's gone nuts. And, and I look up and I'm thinking, no. I've just missed oh, a whole no. period of hockey. Turns out nothing happened in it and but I didn't miss anything. You can go the other but... way, can't it? You know, when you fall asleep, I don't know if you've done this, Matt, where you're kind of trying to keep your eyes open, particularly <laughs> yeah. in playoff games when you yeah. really need to try and stay up all night and watch those. And then you kind of naturally doze when the commercial breaks in progress kick in. And that's nice and quiet and your eyes just shut for a moment. And then you open and then you realise you've missed three goals mm. and it's the near the end, which could either go different ways but it's horrible isn't it i have to confess that 
and I must get it in there before Jolan does, that I actually fell asleep while we were watching Toronto Dallas last season. <laughs> I was, if you didn't um, mention that, I was going to mention it. You were watching it together. <laughs> we were in a hotel yeah. room. Together? Uh, yeah, we were in a hotel room wow. together. Uh, where were we, Matt? Episode. We were in it's Cornwall, not weren't we? We were in Cornwall um, in a very nice hotel. And uh, yeah, we uh, we shared a chaise, chaise... Oh, I can't even say the flipping word. Shared a what? Chaise lounge. <laughs> That's it. And uh, wow. watched the Dallas Leafs game last year. And yeah, you fell asleep. Just because yep. your team were losing. Aww. But that, so the extents that I go to include watching them with Joe Lon and calling us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, spending three hours in a hotel room with me. That, to be fair, that's quite impressive. <laughs> I must actually say, Matt, that um, I have had another Dallas Stars fan contact our podcast. There's more than one? Ooh. There is more than one of you. Excellent. Yes. And he also lives in the UK. And Birmingham, uh presumably. I, no, I didn't he didn't say where he lived. Oh. And I, I must apologise actually, because whilst I've been away, um I realise that a few of you've contacted us. We've had an Oilers fan, uh, a Vegas Knights fan, and a Dallas Stars fan contact us who are listening to this podcast to Great. say they want to speak with us. But I thought I'd just let you know, Matt, that there are other strange people going through exactly what you went through i'm particularly drawn to the story that you, the reason you joined uh, fa- you know became a fan of dallas stars because of your favorite band as a 13 year old pantera yep. Yep. i mean i yeah. only know one song which is walk but apparently you say they were wearing dallas jerseys so yeah that drew you even, onto them yeah they even wrote a song for dallas uh, during the 1999 uh, Stanley Cup playoff run, no. uh, which the players played in the dressing room before each game. And it's now the song that the uh, club play when they score Wait, in the arena. We're going to have to like find we'll this. We'll find and, this and, and we'll play a little bit of it. Dig, okay, break for Jolan and Claire, where we are going to insert a song here that we'll have to listen back in our own edit. Here we go. <laughs> I love that. So uh, yeah, because I've I've oh, I've seen Dallas score uh, a fair few times and heard that four and times actually. Four times, in fact, yeah. I mean, <laughs> not enough to win the game, but hey. Um, oh. But it's yeah, they they do get real like the crowd get proper into it and everything like that. Now you went to to Dallas, Matt, last year um, on a on a trip, uh, and I'm sure there were many reasons that you went to America for uh, for a holiday. Um, but one of them was to go to Dallas, and you managed to see. The Dallas Stars twice live in person. Tell us about that and tell us what it was like. It was it was amazing. It was everything I thought it would be, apart from the results. Yeah. Uh, I managed to go during the uh, franchise leading um, loss run. I think we lost nine in a row. Oh, was it in and March? I, it was eight, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. And that, which was one of the reasons we didn't March. make the playoffs. Yeah. So, um, but but it didn't matter. I think the the thing is with with ice hockey live it's it's such theater um the way that it happens in the arena the uh, the stuff that goes on the jumbotron the lighting the music just everything is is it's very different from watching anything in the UK even even watching ice hockey in the UK i think mm. it's it's completely sort of next level um and so it it really didn't put a dampener on it at all, really. And I, I love the city. So one of the things that I was really concerned about was 
I was dragging my wife to <laughs> Dallas <laughs> to go and watch some ice hockey. Um, and we went to other places. We went to New York and Orlando. But um, we we had sort of four days in, in Dallas. And I was really concerned that uh, we were just going to be there for the ice hockey. And m- she would potentially hate the city and have a terrible four days. And potentially not even like the ice hockey. Um, <laughs> yeah. But as it turned out, she loved the city, uh, as we both did, and she ended up loving the ice hockey. And she's now asking me, when's a game on that I can watch? And really? Well, that would, I'd, I'd love to. <laughs> yeah, I would, I would love to move there. I, I, the people were brilliant. Um, the, the, obviously, it was warm, which is the advantage of, of supporting a, a club in a non-traditional hockey market, I must say. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, the arena, they do everything really well. The fans were great. I just really loved it and can't wait to go back, really. So is that, how many times have you been to see ice hockey live? Uh, not that many. I don't get, I don't get, I've been to see Coventry, um, Coventry plays. Oh, I've been to see yeah. Great Britain a few times. Um, I don't get to go as much as I'd like. So this was um, your first time seeing the NHL? Yeah, And you've been yeah. a fan by that point for how many years? Oh, blimey. I don't know, 15, 16, maybe wow. more than that. So 15 years of following a team and the first You'd time... You'd think they'd get you a win, wouldn't you? Wow. It was probably... It actually, it was 20 years, 20 years. Wow. So, I mean, that's yeah. a, that's incredible. Um, wow. And I, but I, I, mean, I, completely, I completely recommend to anyone, if you're a fan living in the UK, obviously, you've got money, money and other things get in the way, but if you get the opportunity, go. Uh, it's absolutely amazing. I'm massively impressed that you supported the team for so long. Having never seen them in person, it must have been like a fantasy of yours that you were like, "Do they really exist?" It didn't feel real. Yeah, it really didn't. And uh, I think my wife was taking the mick out of me because I spent the whole of the warm up down on the glass filming and taking pictures (laughs) with all the screaming kids. So um, yeah, (laughs) did you get a picture with the mascot? I didn't get a picture with Victor E Green. No. What's the mascot Um, called? Sorry. Victor E Green. Oh, my the uh, so the colour that we play in is called Victory Green, and uh, yeah, it's terrible. Not quite as bad as the Philadelphia mascot, though. Oh, you don't like gritty? No, don't like gritty. You don't Come like on. gritty? What's wrong with gritty? I'm going to look up a picture of Victor E Green, and uh, you know what? He's, I haven't uh, got a um, section on my geeky hockey pad for what is the name of the mascot. <laughs> You've just turned over to a blank page, and I'm thinking that's going to be full by next week. Of, uh, all he's a, he's a, what is the name of all 31 mascots? <laughs> he's a green alien. Uh, of course he is. <laughs> why, why it's an alien, I have no idea. But strange <laughs> hockey club, isn't it? Right. Well, anyway, uh, talking about watching ice hockey, we're going to talk a little bit more about some of the other kind of uh, hockey stories that have happened um, this uh, this last week and before that. One of the subjects I wanted to talk about last week and introed in the podcast and then completely forgot to even talk about uh, was goalie pulls. And I'd be interested to hear both of your opinions on this subject. Because Dallas, the other day, Matt, while you're here, didn't they pull their goaltender with, like, seven minutes left or something like that? Yeah, it was 7.48 left against Se- Ottawa. Um, what was the score? 3-1 down. 3-1 down, 7.48 yeah. left. I don't know. How does that make you feel as a fan watching that? Um, I don't know. I think it kind of sums Montgomery up, really, as a coach, in that he's not afraid to do it. And he had a plan. It wasn't like he just when oh we're losing I've got no idea let's pull the goalie we we weren't really creating many opportunities 5 on 5 and at that point you need two goals so he 
Paul Begoli. Uh, he left. He didn't just leave him off. He, if we had defensive zone face-offs, he'd put him back mm. um, and pull him again. Um, but we certainly created more. Unfortunately, we didn't score, um, and they did get an empty netter. But the, the empty netter came with one minute and 37 or something left. So, you know, we, we had a good six minutes of, of yeah. extra pressure. See, I looked into this, and the average for goalie pulls is about 75 seconds uh, of the game left. Um, and actually, statistically, even with the extra attacker, you're not necessarily likely to score anyway. So it is a risky proposition. But I did go into my geekery um, pad and go and delve out an example which beat 748. Oh, really? In December 2014, yeah. Colorado Avalanche, the yeah. Winnipeg, Winnipeg Jets, yeah. um, coach Patrick Roy pulled the goalie at 13 minutes. What? left wow. and it kind of sent ripples across the uh, the whole of the NHL and there were several articles that were saying are coaches in the NHL pulling goalies earlier and earlier um, well, but there was no specific evidence to suggest that that was well there are the there are stats if you look uh, you can find stats that show that the average is going up so very kind of look very at, small though. but it is very small and I mean you kind and of it look doesn't at always the, pay off no, and you look at the top end and they're kind of saying the average for some of these teams uh, in 2017-18 was Vegas, Carolina, Toronto actually were high up there and the time remaining was about, the average was at about 125 seconds. Going back to kind of 2011-2012, that average was, well, there was one standout, which was Vancouver at 100 seconds, but then you dropped to Minnesota and Colorado, who were both around the kind of 75 seconds mark. Mm. So there is a kind of a, an upward trend of the stats yeah. as you look across the teams. And I guess that is the kind of analytics departments coming in and saying to coaches, look, guys, this works if you do this. A really interesting one that, that happened in the Toronto game last uh, last game against, uh, what's the name, St. Louis, was that they got a power play with a few minutes to go. Yeah, and that's then what they pulled say. the goaltender as well to have a six on four. They then gave up the empty net goal. In fact, I think it was one of their own players put it in the net, yeah. which kind of summed up the evening. But Delayed penalties yeah. are where it is very useful. And But an interesting one to... to to even go with that when you've got a power play yourself anyway. Yeah, but it's it's when the ref has got their hand in the air, so you know the penalty's coming, so you may as well pull the no, goalie. No, this was during the game. This was during it. Okay. So they went six on four and pulled the goaltender, and so Babcock decided that he was going to go with six forwards yeah. against the four defencemen, and um, well, it didn't work because it's one of those things, isn't it? That if it works and you score the goal, the coach is a genius. If I, it, I think if it goes in, you look like a fool. Like I think that. I mean, I am a reckless chess player, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> and I am all about just go for it. It's more exciting to watch. It might pay off. I like in Scrabble to go for the crazy words that might, you know, not pay off and then I lose a go and then I lose loads of points. But I like to just go for it. So I actually really enjoy as a fan watching those crazy really? moments. I really do. And sometimes when it pays off, because, I mean, you don't have anything to lose. The no. great thing about watching ice hockey is there is a winner and there is a loser. If you want to play it boring and safe and you want to go for a draw and, yeah, yeah. you want to teeter through. I mean, in in this particular league, especially where we are in the season, when you're talking about getting that one extra point to go to get you 
yourself to overtime. We're not so fussed about those one points here and there, you know, as much. But I'd just rather see them go for it, have some heart on their sleeve. And also it's interesting to see with these special teams when they're mixing it up. Um, maybe Jim Montgomery in this situation was thinking, right, here's an opportunity for us as a team to do something that we haven't had chance to do in a game situation. Yeah. If we are losing, now's the time at the start of the season to let's just see where this is because then if it doesn't pay off, we go back on Monday, look at the video stuff and we think, right, how did that go? So then when we come to the important games during playoff you know, run-up, then they've already had examples to see what happens and what worked and what didn't. It also could take you the team by surprise as well, surely. I mean, you're if you're on the defence, you're not expecting the goaltender to be pulled and have a six-on-five kind of penalty kill, or not penalty kill, but a six-on-five with seven minutes to go. So who knows? You might get the kind of the shock tactic. I just... I. I can't get on board with them. It's not that I don't see that they can work because I've seen them work. But um, I was watching a game the other day and my, my girlfriend summed it up beautifully. <laughs> she said, oh, the goaltender's just gone out. And I was like, yeah. And she went, I don't like it when they do that. And I was like, <laughs> do you know what? Yes, that's exactly how I feel about it. And I can't, I've got no stats to back it up. Oh, I've got no rational. So I just watch it and I go, what? no, Freddie. No, stay in there, Freddie. We like such different sides of the game. I like... I like the tactics um, behind pulling the goalies, the excitement it brings, the risk it brings. I like the physical side to the game as well, that it riles, it gives the spark. You just Were you basically last week, we? You just basically <laughs> like it dull. No, no, no. I like the stars to be protected, Claire. I don't <laughs> You were obviously listening to the podcast last week. It's where good I was that going, we have different opinions. Ban all the players for hitting. Ban Boring. Them. Ban Boring. Them. It has a role. Matt, what do you feel about the? Uh, you could be the tiebreaker on this Ugh. on goalie pulls. I, th- uh, I think it depends on the situation. It really does. I think Claire made an interesting point about um, it being early on in the season and, and seeing kind of how they react. And I think. That's something that Montgomery keeps going on about. He's learning how his players react in different situations. And so I wouldn't be surprised if it was a, a learning opportunity and he was, he was trying to see whether it's something he can use further down the line or whether he, he really didn't like it and that's it, we won't, we won't do it again. I, I, um, maybe he's using the whole season for that in some sense with Dallas. That The pressure on you guys is, is off in a way that they've kind of just said, look, we're going to take a punt on this guy and let's just see what we can work and, and build back up from the roots. It's not yeah. quite a blow up, but it's a chance to let's just go back to basics and see and try some things that are a little bit different. And uh, if we make the playoffs, it's a Brucey bonus. And the great thing for Dallas is they've signed up all their big stars on the kind of the long term contract. Mm. So you've got Sagan, you've got Ben, you've got, I think, is Radulov on a long term deal as well? Uh, I think it's. F- Five, four more years, yeah, I think. exactly. And, and you've Klingberg got, for another five or six, exactly. You've got Heskinen coming up. You, you've kind of player wise, you're in a good position, so yeah, maybe yeah. now this is a good time to roll with the cage. Anyway, we've talked far too much about Toronto and Dallas. I've got some goalie facts for you. Oh, sorry, what <laughs> I was trying yet. to think, right? You know, with the goalie pulls, like what impact does it have having a goalie still on the ice? Like, what is the chance of keeping the goalie on and being able mm. to score? Right, wow, okay. <laughs> This is how deep I had a lot of time on my hands today. See, I just go with, I don't like it. You go, oh, let's have a look at the stats. Right. So 11 goalies have scored 14 goals in the NHL. Really? 11 goalies. That includes Simone goals, though. Presumably. Right. Okay. So presumably they're empty netters. (laughs) So Cam Ward, 
of Chicago Black is one of the people who scored. Yeah. And Martin Brodeur uh, of New Jersey Devils fame yeah. uh, is one of two goalies to score a goal in regular and playoff seasons. I think he actually wow. had three to his name during his career. So in that sense, maybe you keep the goalie on, they might score. Well, but so hang on. <laughs> Probably Hang on, not, what? But... So what is this goaltender doing? Is goaltenders joining the play, or the goaltender scoring well, on an empty net? It's sometimes if it's if they're the last one that the the puck has come off, right. then then that counts as a goal. Because surely it? there's just but you can have a, obviously assists. A lot. It's quite normal for a goalie to have a couple of assists yeah. throughout a season. Yeah. Obviously. No, I get that. I, I, I get like that. goalies getting assists. I always. Oh, like I that. do. I, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's wrong right. with you two. <laughs> the other thing as well is that right. Two of the goalie facts I learned today. <laughs> Come on, this is exciting. Right, a goalie, whether they have the puck or they don't have the puck, is not allowed to cross the red line in the centre, under the rules. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and the second thing is, if your first goalie gets injured and then your second goalie gets injured, anybody can take up the position, including yeah. a fan in the arena. That that yes. happened last season, didn't it? it? Did, With didn't Cargo, it? The, guy, Cargo. the guy who was called up, um, who was sat just watching, and he was like, "What a, a builder I or think, a, he was an office no, worker, think, wasn't he? A plaster yeah, or but something." Chicago, um, <laughs> Chicago have. People, so he was actually employed by Chicago to so get paid to go to the game yeah, to sit as there. a backup goalie yeah. just for that. So he's like a um, you're a kidding backup, backup goalie. goalie. Yeah, yeah. He that was really he plays like he plays like weekend league. Like so he's, yeah. he works in an office, but he mm. plays at the weekend uh, and he lives kid. in the local area. And so they pay him to go to the games, yeah. like they give him free tickets. If you're listening, Mike happens. Mike Babcock, I'm quite happy to come <laughs> and do it. I used to play football in goal. Like oh, I could do it. Could well, you would you do that? It? Would you do it? Imagine Matt's there seeing his first games in 20 years as a Dallas Stars fan. <laughs> He's like, I'll do it. You, I mean, you just take the shots Would in you the do groin it, and the no, face. No, I, I definitely you? wouldn't do it. Jim Montgomery turns to you and he looks at you and he goes, that guy there, he is the one. Bring him over here. Will you go in goal? Yes or no, Matt no Day? Chance. Oh, no chance. Oh, come on. I wouldn't. Would Can not? I just actually say, on the goalie thing, yeah. An unprecedented amount of goalie interference reviews and coach calls in the last seven days. I looked in the NHL Situation Room because I'd, I'd heard this on, I can't remember what um, post-game analysis TV thing, you know, we just inhale it afterwards over the weekend. And I looked on the NHL Situation Room and there were seven calls over the last uh, seven days for goalie interference which I thought was quite interesting because we'd kind of had a conversation of are we are we uh, wrapping our goalies in cotton wool um, or is it right that as one of the most important players on the ice or in fact as part of the team should they be protected and uh, is it right that so many of these calls are made? I know you've got a lot to say on this subject Matt so I'm going to leave you plenty <laughs> of time to, to go for it but I uh, goaltender interference last year I mean I, I actually haven't seen much this year but there was a lot of the weekend goaltender interference last year was the most annoying thing of last season the amount of times that they got reviewed and quite rightly so because nobody knew the rule because the coaches didn't know the goaltenders didn't know the referees were inconsistent to say the least and so you had this thing where it was just such a downer every time your team scored because most of the time there was a question mark over whether well they could call it for goaltender interference because that player sneezed close by the goaltender 30 seconds before it went in like it was just getting ridiculous and i get and i get the yeah. fact that players don't want to you know to be hurting the goaltenders and if you do put a challenge in the goaltender and he is defenseless in a way they've got to call it back 
It was getting ridiculous, though, last year. How is this any different, though, in that you were saying in previous episodes how, oh, don't hurt Austin Matthews, don't hurt <laughs> Conor McDavid, we've got to protect our, our precious players. Your goalie is so precious. Yeah. Is it not right that you think that, yeah, there was interference and this needs to be called out and stamped down on? But we're not, we're not talking about, you know, hitting a goaltender. We're not talking about elbows to the face. We're not talking about lifting the goaltender up and throwing him down on his head like Pedersen had done to him the other week. We're talking about a player in front of the net jostling for position with a defenceman and grazing the shoulder of a goaltender or getting their feet caught slightly with the goaltender and then that being called back a goaltender interference. Don't get me wrong, I don't blame the goaltenders for moaning about this last year and saying that was goaltender interference because they were getting away with it. But then the real frustration for me as a fan was the inconsistency and also the fact that when you saw a goal go in, you didn't know whether it was going to be referred to. You even stopped celebrating goals because you just were going to have to wait for the 30 seconds referral. Or you get yeah, Don Cherry taking taking the mick. There you go, Matt. Go on, you it's, go it's, for no, it. No, no, I, I I couldn't agree more. It's the it's the inconsistency that winds me up. It's you watch one game and there's blatantly somebody banging into the goaltender and they score and it's reviewed and it's given a good goal and then the next go, the next game, somebody just flicks the guy on the elbow, yeah. or, or or even nothing. It doesn't even touch him. Skates him and. Him. It's reviewed and it's given as no goal. It's just so inconsistent. I mean, I haven't seen many this this season, so I'm I'm interested that um, there's been quite a lot over the weekend. But I think I think we will see more of it, mostly because the play is faster. The the people are rushing the net at higher speeds, um, so we may see more goaltender interferences of a different type. I think less people crowded around the net and more more people rushing the net. I'm not. I don't know. There's also um, more goals as well. I mean, you see Tampa Bay Lightning made an NHL record uh, this weekend for 33 shots, was it, in the yeah. second period? You know, they got a 6-3 win over um, uh, over Chicago. But you, you're seeing a lot of goals. I mean, we're certainly seeing that with, as Leafs fans, more goals. We so, were. therefore, there, if there's more shots and more goals you're going to see more reviews aren't you yeah and I think there was an interesting thing that happened I'm trying to make sure that this was the case but tell me if I'm wrong I'm pretty sure that goaltender interference now goes to hockey ops for those referrals I think what is that the situation room the situation room the in situation Toronto room. Yes. I don't feel like you can so, say that in a normal way no you can't no <laughs> it's now being referred to them to decide as opposed to the referees deciding on the kind of on their tablets little iPads. yeah on their little kind of iPads which always <laughs> makes me laugh um, and I think that will hopefully at least bring a certain level of consistency you would hope because then you're not getting the the different views of the different referees, which I think was part of the problem last year. So hopefully that'll make a bit of a difference. It's one of those. Don't you subjects. think with the iPads though, they'd be better off reviewing it on the Jumbotron because they yeah. can see it much clearer. Yeah, yeah, it's true. And I always find that it's a great. different views though. Do you know what I love that though about <laughs> North American sports because we shy away from it so much in this country that whole replay culture because we don't really do reviews and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, and some clubs, places that do a lot of clubs and in 
football and and other sports, you know, you can't show a replay on the big screen if it's a questionable decision and all that kind of stuff. In hockey, they just go for it. They're like, yeah, that was a terrible hit. Let's put it on a massive big screen in the center ice and have the whole <laughs> crowd know that you, the referee, made a horrific mistake. Or let's slow it's down great. that puck to yeah. the face where we really watch the eyeball come out slowly. Yeah. Oh, Zach Children. Hyman. Oh, that eyebrow's never going to be the same again. Hey, it's just... the theatre of it. Yeah, it is. It, it, it is. so is. And that's, we could learn a lot, I think, in this country from kind of the spectacle of the whole event. <laughs> the one thing that I think, whilst we're just kind of closing the conversations about goalies, uh, a big blow um, this week to um, Nashville uh, Predators fans uh, in Pekka... Um... Pekarine. Yeah. Yeah. You know, 10 seasons of starting goalie. At the end of last season, they were like, will he, won't he, will he stay? Um, he did. He's got several years on his on his contract. But it looked like there was a clash with one of his own teammates near the goal. Uh, complete innocent, just had his back to him and kind of fell over um, Pekka and landed really difficult. I think it was on his knee. Um and, uh, and then, and but you couldn't quite tell because any kind of you were kind of having conversations with the ref. Will he? Won't he? Um, and then now he's been signed off with concussion, injured reserve. He was taken off the game uh, that particular game, but it was very difficult to work out whether he chose that himself or whether someone in the medic team. I think it was a concussion said, spotter, wasn't it? I think. Yeah, and I think you know what those people. I would love to talk to a concussion spotter. Um, because you'd be really in the middle, wouldn't you, between the player and the coaching team and the management and then the league. Mm. Who you know, you'd have to be very clear and concise in your point of view. Yes, they have concussion because whatever you say, someone's going to disagree with you. Yeah. Um, but I think it actually looked more like Pekka was having the conversations because I I enjoy watching. I've I've interviewed refs a few times and it's, I think it's really important about the conversations they're having with players. You know, kind of saying, "Are you all right? Yeah, okay, right, we'll go. Are you mm. still okay?" Um, and that com- that kind of line of communication was happening. You watch the video; it, it's on the NHL um, uh, website, and you see those conversations. And then it's just like, "Yeah, that's it." I'm off, and and so it is. And then now he's he's placed on injured um, reserve, which I'm not quite sure what does that mean for his space as number one for the Preds going forwards. If it was looking like uh, at the end of last season, they were like, are we going to keep him? Are we not going to keep him? Because it's all kind of clouded, really, in the sense that the Preds are having a fantastic start to the season. They've got five wins in a row. Um, as much as I despise PK Subban. <laughs> I I, I I don't Suman. hate him as much as Ovechkin, um, but I just despise the man. It's all about PK. I mean, just go away. He's the future of hockey. No, he's bringing the personality no, into hockey, Claire. No, it's the future. It's a marketing ploy. But you know what? All that kind of stuff disguises the, the you know what's going to happen um, with Pekka moving forwards because he's an incredible goalie. He's well, I don't know if you watched the All Star Weekend um, early this year. So when is it? Like January, February. Yeah. He was phenomenal. I think it was maybe only the second time he'd been called to the All-Star Weekend. But a real chance to shine. So, it was, uh, you know, 
I'm sorry if you're a Preds fan, that that's probably quite a big blow to your start of the season. But it must have uh, it must have made you feel better seeing your coach do a post-game <laughs> uh, press conference with a bull mask Peter on. Peter Laviolette, what what <laughs> a guy! They clearly made some bet, which they they not discussing what the full details of it were, but something to do with a Spanish bull being you know hardcore, and then something to do with them being on the road trying to get the road wins. And this is your favourite, P.K. Subban's post on Instagram of uh, him filming a bit of the press conference from his point of view. Coach is in there. That's on him. That's a crazy script. Yep. Yep. It's unbelievable. Oh, yeah. In kitchens? That's on coach. Kev, what do you think of that? It's unbelievable. That's national. He's got to embrace it. What a league. Oh, yeah, Bonesy, what do you think of that? What a league. It's crazy. Do you know what I find really strange is that after watching that clip and listening to it, I have no idea what Lavi, the coach, looks like. All I know... No, I don't know. I I only think of him as a bull's head. But you know what? In my quest to learn more about teams and remember the name of all the coaches, um, that one's going to stick with me. Oh, this is a fun quiz that we can play at some point soon. As you're getting through, we can just throw random teams at you and you can name them. You can just name them. Give me a few more weeks. It's an interesting one, though, on Pecorine. I mean, it's kind of like the quarterback in the NFL. If you lose your goaltender, now we don't know how long Pecor is going to be out for, but say he's out for a while. If you lose your goaltender... It is such a huge blow. In fact, it can end your season. Well, you've got a Dallas Stars fan here, Ben Bishop, (laughs) the absolute giant that Ben Bishop is. This guy, their goalie is six foot seven. That's not fair. Six foot seven, their goalie is, and he gets wiped out by it was it was a knee injury, wasn't it? It was. Um, Yeah. And that basically kissed goodbye to their chances of even scraping into the playoffs. So it would have been the third time in 10 seasons for them to make the playoffs. So, yeah. But seeing that injury, Matt, that must just make you feel sick as a fan, seeing your goaltender go. I think um, it it does if you don't have confidence in the backup and the person that's going to be called up from the the minor leagues. And I think think that's the problem that we had was Kari Lettinen just didn't... I think all confidence had kind of gone in him by that point, um, both from the fans and himself. And I think you know he's coming in, then the defence and the rest of the team kind of lose confidence and we just went on a nine-game <laughs> losing streak. Um, so it, I think the goalies work in a tandem. And yeah, they, they a lot of the time the team are built around the goalie and, you know, are they kind of a stand-up goalie? Are they a butterfly goalie? There's all these different types, aren't there? And are they someone that kind of will play it safe and just jump on the puck as soon as it comes or are they someone who likes to keep the pace depending on how quick and uh, whether they've got defensemen who are kind of great skaters who can run and get the kit you know get the puck out there but a lot of teams only have one superstar goaltender in fact if you have a superstar goaltender then you've probably had to sacrifice your backup being Mm. not so good like I know if the Leafs lose Freddie Anderson this year that's that's huge. Like, and I get terrified. I'm kind of going, I'm going back on my other point with goalie interference now because I should be calling for anything mm. with our goaltending yeah, situation at the moment. Yeah. But yeah, as a you know, they are they're incredible, incredible athletes for what they do. 
but and much like a quarterback, it is it, terrifying as a fan when it you does, think you might lose one. It does change the way the team play as well. Yeah. I mean, um, Montgomery's got this this thing where he likes the way Bishop plays the puck, and so he says as soon as um, Ben gets the puck, somebody needs to be on the offensive blue line, and they'll do a thing that they call the Bish up which is uh, Bishop actually trying to pick the guy out on the offensive blue line um, to get some assists, but um, to try and get on the breakaway. And, and, you know, that's a tactic that he's playing because of how good Ben is at playing the puck. I think with um, with somebody like uh, Kari Lettinen or or, um, uh, some other goaltenders that don't don't play the puck as well, you, you can't do that. You've got to be closer to him. You've got to go and pick it up from behind the net. So I think they are like the quarterback, and and they are such a big part of the part of the team. You know, just to mention on the um, concussion thing, um, I'm not quite sure how accurate it is, but I went onto Elite Prospects earlier just to see what the current injuries are um, for NHL players. I tell you, they're very. Some of them are very descriptive. There was one who'd hurt his hand in the kitchen. <laughs> I can't forgotten who it is. Yeah, I can't remember wow. who it is. But anyway, there, it, it was showing in this list and uh, Pekka wasn't in it, but there are five concussion injuries currently in the NHL. Yeah. So and quite high profile ones as well. I mean, you've got Pedersen who's currently out with uh, Sun- Vancouver, Sungfist. And uh, one thing watching that Pecorino one reminded me a lot of Roberto Luongo going down earlier on in the season as well for Florida. Really similar where one of his own players fell on his leg and did his, I think it was his knee or something like that. Mm. And uh, yeah, for a kind of a legend like that in the later years of his game, then uh, yeah. But the concussion thing must be surely, it's not that there are more concussions in the game. It's just that we're now calling it concussion. Yeah, these things people have happened a, before. It's a bit like mental health, isn't it? You, yeah, you're, there should be an open environment where people are able to say, "I'm not okay." Yeah, and it's it's right that they they are labelling it something, and I'm sure there were players years ago, if they had concussion symptoms, were were just told, "Get back out there and sort yourself out. Like, shake your head a bit, and you'll be fine. I'll carry on." And mm. and it's great that hockey, along with all the other sports, is moving in a direction of recognising that, and it should do. But, you know, when you hear the kind of, oh, concussions are on the up and all that kind of stuff, it's not that they're on the up. They've always been there. It's just that now we're calling it concussion. Exactly. A quick mention, you know, I said about Ben Bishop being six foot seven. Six foot seven. Six foot seven. Did you know, Matt, that Dallas Stars are the tallest uh, team in the league right now? No, I didn't. Average uh, is six foot two in uh, in height. Oh. You're also the second heaviest as well, uh, <laughs> with 206 pounds. But guess how, how big Ben Bishop actually is? It's more than 206. Yeah. It's 225 uh, pounds. Jeez. Wow. So basically, you've got a sumo wrestler for a goalie. With the kit on as well. God. That's really interesting, though, because we, we're not a very physical side. Like just we average. We, yeah. But you were, yeah, though. But I mean, you may not be playing that this year, but last year you were known as a bit yeah. of a kind of uh, physical, nasty team. And I mean that nasty in a good way. Not You're going to win one trophy, and it's for being the tallest team in the league. <laughs> Who's <laughs> the heaviest team? Uh, the heaviest team is actually New York Islanders. And uh, a oh, two well. in- 210 pounds uh, not necessarily average. a recipe for success, is it? <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah, well. No. Well, I'll bring some more well. of those facts in the, in the future. If, if that's the only trophy Dallas are winning, that's definitely the only thing New York Islanders are winning this year as well, <laughs> eh? <laughs> right. 
one thing I want to talk to you both about as well, because uh, I've been through this a couple of times this week, um, is that when old players or ex-players return to your club with a new team. Now, I'm talking about players who've been there a long time or been with your club a long time. Tyler Bozak returned uh, to Toronto with the St. Louis Blues after being let go last year. Phil Kessel was in Toronto again at the weekend as a Penguin. That's less of a thing now because he's, you know, he's won two Stanley Cups with Pittsburgh. I mean, we can hardly argue. We could hardly even say ex Maple Leaf. But it is a really strange atmosphere. I was actually in the Air Canada Centre, now the Scotiabank Arena, but then the Air Canada Centre when Dion Phaneuf returned to Toronto for the first time. Mm. Now, he left the place in a very kind of... He he was in Toronto at a very difficult time and he he was was the captain at a very difficult time and I am not well enough informed of the Toronto Maple Leafs at that time to go into it. But I know there was a cloud surrounding Dion Phaneuf and when he left, there was almost like a bit of a kind of collective sigh of relief, let's move on to, to new times. However, when he came back... I was amazed by the reception that he got. And it was brilliant. There was a video on the screen, on the big screen. There was a moment where the whole stadium stood up and applauded him coming back. Now, later on, he gets booed when he comes back because that's all part of the game and he would probably expect nothing less. But there is a moment, and it happened for Tyler Bozak. I saw Patrick Marlowe get it on the other side when he went back to San Jose after he left as a Leaf. There is something just so brilliant at how hockey can celebrate players who have left their clubs even though they're now with a different team there is a moment in the game when they can just stop during an ad break normally and just celebrate that player and the contribution that they have given to that team and I think hockey is relatively unique in that Um, see I think sometimes a lot of the the because we as fans are not ever really given a lot of insight into what happens in the dressing room yeah that we pick up on these um tiny little uh sparks that come off you know in the the players during the practice when they get interviewed or the post-game interviews yeah and the way that they talk about um those players resonates with us as fans for instance mitch marner was talking about tyler bozak saying oh we went out for dinner last night yet we're still good mates um we wish him all the well you know wish him well and that makes such a big difference i think with dion Phaneuf, um it seemed to be that the players didn't have a problem with him but the, because the team weren't winning very much and there was a lot of you know hostility and change happening in the management yeah. and things weren't happening the players still respect him which therefore the fans still respect him but if you take someone like Phil Kessel who went from Toronto Maple Leafs to Pittsburgh Penguins was actually kind of quite detested by the fans there was clearly some kind of animosity happening in that he almost wanted to be more like a PK Subban of the team he didn't really gel in the dressing room it wasn't the team and the management style for him so there wasn't that same kind of love when Phil Kessel came back to Toronto Maple Leafs so it's it's a very unique thing mm. to how it works I think and I think the way but the way that they do at least recognize them and I kind of think of it of from sports over here there's just no way that you would ever have a kind of you know, a a tribute video played to a player who's left the club and gone to somewhere else when they're playing on your home turf. I've never witnessed it. I could be wrong. Matt, have you ever seen that as a Spurs fan, an ex-player coming back? He's now playing for Arsenal. Spurs? Uh, No, not if they go to Arsenal. Uh, (laughs) Definitely not. Um, I 
I think there's got to be kind of limits to this. If they if they've been with you for a couple of years and then go off to somewhere else, I'm not really that bothered if they come back. But um, if, if they're a long servant, you know, say five or more years. Um, I think it's great. You get the tribute video and everybody tapping their sticks and the standing O. It's brilliant. I mean, uh, I remember uh, Stefan Robidar. He spent like 13 years, I think it was, at Dallas. And he, he broke his leg um, playing for Dallas, got traded to Anaheim when he when he'd neared full fitness. And his first game back at Dallas, he got the standing ovation and then he broke his leg again. <laughs> And he he got a second stand innovation and one I'm sure he didn't want. But, but he wouldn't be standing, would he? <laughs> well, hey, you are. Claire's a low blow. Terrible. Um, but, Poor but guy. That, broke his that, leg twice. But that that um, that first stand innovation during the first TV break and 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 everything, you know, just brilliant. It brings the the atmosphere of the crowd up and actually helps the the home team. I think. When I saw uh, little Tyler Bozak uh, there. At the weekend, uh, playing uh, well, he was standing there, and he was he was famous in Toronto for always being there at the side of the glass when Tyler was doing his warm ups, and he would be there in his little cute Leafs jersey, and he'd be there like and he would fist pump all the players yeah. as they went past onto the ice, and your heart melts. And then he's wearing a different. Jersey. He's wearing a St. Louis yeah. Blues jersey. But did you see during one of the period breaks? Oh. He actually had a little hanky which was still Maple Leafs, That's and not so. The same. I couldn't believe it. It was bad I, I, enough watching Tyler in the wrong jersey, let alone his little cute kid. Oh. Do you, can I just test your knowledge, right? Oh, Do dear. you know what joins Tyler Bozak with Jim Montgomery? Oh, wow. Um, this, is, this is a... They're both playing on teams that aren't going to win the Stanley Cup this year? <laughs> is it going to be something like the college they played it at? It is. Or? So oh, Tyler, well Bozak, well Tyler Bozak went to University of Denver. That's where he studied. And uh, it wasn't there at the same time when Jim Montgomery was coach, mm. but that is where Jim Montgomery came from to move into the NHL. So they have both been a part of similar hockey setup, but never actually were there. But they are connected by the University of Denver. Well, they'll be seeing a lot more of each other this year with uh, Tyler in uh, St. Louis and Jim in Dallas. Uh, Matt, thank you very much for coming on the podcast this week. Um, one more thing to mention is the fact that uh, you and I are uh, going on a little trip, aren't we, next year? We are, yeah. Very exciting uh, that we're we're heading to... now. Slovakia? Yep. Yeah, because I keep getting it wrong with Slovenia and Slovakia. I keep mixing it up, which is terrible. (laughs) But I've said both to various different people. But Slovakia, we are both going to to watch Team GB in the World Championships next year. And apart from the fact that I'm staying in a hostel for the first time in my life, I am really excited about this. I can't wait. I think it's going to be brilliant. It's going to be such an experience. And... uh... I don't know whether we'll see Team GB win any games, but uh, it doesn't hopefully matter, we'll get does to it? see some good good hockey and meet some uh, meet some interesting people we're along get, the way. We're getting to see them play uh, Team USA, Team Canada. Uh, who's the other one? Sweden as Denmark. well. I think. Denmark. Yeah. We're in we're in that weird situation where both of us are hoping that we don't see any of our teams players on any <laughs> of those teams. <laughs> yeah, because we're hoping that they'll still be in the playoffs. Yeah, of course. Yeah, if I'm May, seeing any yeah. Leafs in that team, I'm I'm miserable. It's like the 11th of May, 12th of May, isn't it? That's yeah. when that's in the air. Yeah. We are still going to be in the playoffs by that point, Claire. Come on. Come on. Well, it's <laughs> all right. Dallas faith. won't be, so oh. it's all right. Oh, 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 come hey, on. hey, we, well, they might. <laughs> they might. They've got Connor Carrick and Roman Polak on defence.
to I think mean, I didn't say a bad thing about the Leafs. Well, all, you didn't. You did very well. You did very well. And by the way, Connor Carrick, I love him as a player. I think he's brilliant. And I was I was a little bit sad when he left. And I wish he's, he hadn't he's gone. He's been really good. I only looked at a picture of him today for the first time. Man, that guy has a wide neck. He does. Huge. <laughs> he's, he's He must huge. be a nightmare to buy shirts for. Maybe that could be your next step. Players with the widest neck. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe that's I why I went to point. Dallas. The uh, the shirts are bigger sizes than Toronto for their neck. <laughs> More muscly guys in there. Uh, Matt, thanks ever so much. I'm looking forward to. Oh yeah, sorry. Predictions, please. Uh, we would like your Stanley Cup champion. Oh, all right. Actually, like we're, sorry. We've gone from. We've actually asked for West and East. So we've kind of gone for your oh. final, please. And then you can tell us who wins out of that final. Uh, Okay, probably going to go with Tampa and Nashville. Well, you're wrong. But anyway, it's been really nice having you on, uh, Matt. And, Thanks for uh, having me. Uh, we would have had you on again if you just said the Leafs. Um, but <laughs> we will have you on again because we are going to go on that road trip. And if this podcast lasts that long, we will certainly be doing something along those lines. I love that. 20 years as a fan. And then yeah. only went to see a game. Amazing, isn't it? Absolutely amazing. Yeah, and 25 years, 26 years on this planet, never been in a hostel. So uh, both those things are uh, quite incredible stats. <laughs> so next week, I'm going to talk about a guy called Mike and yeah. what he did with a shoe. Right. Um, because that is highly exciting and part of my fact-finding <laughs> weird things to discover. Stuff that happens when players climb the plexi and go and meet the fans Great. perhaps not in the most appropriate way so I'll tell you about Mike and his shoe on the next episode and also we're looking as the Leafs meet Winnipeg Jets twice this week we're going to either be drowning our sorrows or you know screaming from the rooftops as we meet a Jets fan who is a commentator for Sheffield Steelers he's a maths teacher by day and somehow he loves the Jets too. How he's got time to squeeze it all in. He's going to be the ultimate stats guy. Oh my days, you and him next week. I might take next week off. I think you two going on about your stats, your advanced stats and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, I'm going to be in either a very good mood by the time we record this podcast next week or in full-on meltdown of the fact of how, what's gone wrong for the Leafs. Who knows what could happen in a week's time. Anyway, happy NHL watching all of you. Sleep well when you manage to get your sleep in whatever time zone you're trying to work to. And uh, me and Claire will be back next week with a Winnipeg Jets fan. And don't forget, we want to hear your stories. Subscribe to us. Make sure you get the latest podcast on Thursdays at 8am every week. And email us, nhlfansfromafar at gmail.com. And if you know somebody else who is also an NHL fan, then tell them about this podcast. Get them to subscribe. And if you know people who don't even like hockey, just get them to subscribe anyway, yeah? That'd be great. Thank you. Thank you.